Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into the FizzCast. Tyler Aki joined alongside Jonathan Hoppy. We've got a packed show for you today. We're going to break down some Syracuse basketball from last night. A big, big win for the Orange in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And we'll also put a bow on the SU football season. A disappointing one, to say the least, down the final stretch. We'll get to all that and a little bit more. You're listening to the FizzCast. You can find us at Orange Fizz on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud. Also check us out on iTunes by searching Orange Fizz. You can get all the latest podcasts like these, full Fizz radio episodes, exclusive content and interviews, and more. And then be sure to always find our fabulous web content on our website, orangefizz.net. So, Jonathan, let's start with basketball. That seems to be the sport that's really been trending upwards and really surprising through these first six games. It's been a lot of welcoming signs in the early going. We'll dive into all of it right now. But I, last night's game against Maryland, a 72-70 to win for SU, kind of came out of nowhere. It looked like, I mean, the Orange was in command from, I wouldn't say in command, but they, they were ahead for most of the game. It seemed like they had a good grasp on it and were in a position to win against a team that, in the latest AP polls, received votes in Maryland. So I think that last night was very, definitely very promising, 72-70, to 70, like I said. But you also saw a lot of these younger guys, and I highlighted this in my game piece after the final buzzer, but you look at the contributions made in this game by O'Shea Brissett, Marek Dolajai, Barama Sidibe. Those are the three kind of young bucks on the team and and they they came out and showed up in a, a game against a power five opponent and that was kind of what we'd been missing all season long it can these young guys show up in big situations like this and they they passed that test last night to me yeah Tyler I think that's the biggest thing when you're looking at this team Tyus Battle's doing well everyone kind of expected that Frank Howard he's been a bit of a pleasant surprise because many thought that he would struggle again I was kind of optimistic with Frank. I thought he'd grow up this year, and so far he has. He's done really well, and against Toledo, career a career highs across high. the board. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's something to look at, but you're right. It's all about the young guys. This recruiting class that everyone thought was so bad, I think that's why you got to let them play, because all of a sudden this recruiting class doesn't look so bad, and in fact it looks pretty good, and right now the Orange is undefeated. So far I've been a big fan of Marek Dolja. I thought last night was going to be the game where we start to see him fall off, but nope, he goes out and has one of his best performances, 10 points, 7 boards on 4 of 5 shooting. I mean, there was a point in that first half, I think it was actually at the end of the first half, Marek Dolja and Brahma Sidibe were a combined 6 for 6, and then your, your big guns in Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett were, I want to say, 7 for 27. So they, they kind of kept you in this ball game in the first half, and you, you can't say enough. And when Pascal Chuku's out there, and it seems like he, he gets into foul trouble a good amount, and Sidibe maybe picking up on some of those habits as well, which is something he's going to have to correct if he wants to get more playing time, because I think Jim Beheim likes to lean on him a little bit more than Chuku so far. But he's going to have to stay out of foul trouble if, if he's going to do that. Because when he's on the floor, he's he's pretty pretty good out there. I mean, you see the shooting percentage last night, 3 for 4, 8 points. 
He's also given you some some boards for in that game. But um, overall, impressive stuff from the young guys. But I want to highlight O'Shea Brissett because he kind of stole the show last night. I would say yesterday, probably, even though it doesn't look great shooting percentage-wise, 5 for 18, but his all-around effort yesterday, he was getting in He's passing been solid lanes. all year. He had the 15 points, 13 rebounds. It wasn't great from three. Actually, wasn't great as generous. 0 for 5, but um, 5 for 18 from the field in general. Not what you want to see, but he's attacking. And, and it just seems like it, it's some of those shots that they're going to go in at some point, and he's just having an off night. He's starting to attack a little bit more in the early going. I remember Jim Beheim called him out saying, this guy needs to start getting to the basket more because his first shot is always a terrible one. And... and He's not wrong because it seems like O'Shea's shot selection at times can be a little bit spotty, but at the same time, like you need O'Shea to go out there and hit some of these three-pointers because this is a team that went three for 18, and before Tyus yeah, Battle hits that big enough. three at the end of the game, I mean, three for 18, come ACC play isn't going to win you ball games. No, it's not going to cut it, but O'Shea Brissett, 0 for 5, like you said, that has to improve. But look at his minutes played. He played the entire game last night, and I think that shows how much confidence Coach Bayheim has in a guy like Brissett. I mean, he comes in new to the system, and Bayheim has pretty much given him the keys, not necessarily the main guy, but he's someone that we don't talk about him much because he's been pretty consistent this year. And, and 0 for 5 isn't good, 5 for 18 overall, that's not great. But he's doing his job, and I think that he's been a pleasant surprise and a big reason why Syracuse is, is excelling. I'd have to look at the numbers because I think it'd be interesting to see when's the last time a freshman has played whistle to whistle or buzzer to buzzer from f- uh, this early in the season. Just six games in, and O'Shea's already logging a full game. I, I think Bayheim's got a lot of confidence in this guy because he knows what he brings on the offensive boards, defensive boards, all that type of stuff. And then he can go out and score the basketball as well for you a little bit. So I, I think that that's something that we're going to have to monitor. How is how confident is Bayheim going to be in a guy like Brissett moving forward? Because th- think about coming into this year. He was the headliner of the class that was viewed as pretty weak because it didn't have a top 100 guy. But if O'Shea played in the States for all four years in high school, probably going to be a top 100 guy. You would guess. But... A little bit of uncertainty. I mean, he was the national player of the year in Canada, but how much weight does that carry? And then he's come to the States, and he's just been a sensation so far. And I think that Brissett could be that X factor moving forward, kind of like what Ty's battle was last year, as the guy who, when he's going, the team's going. And last year, is Brissett the best player on the team? No, that award goes to Tyus Battle, and you probably even at this point throw Frank Howard ahead of uh, Brissett at this For sure. point. But as that third guy, can he be the one that kind of gets you over the hump and, and gets you into the tournament? Because I, I almost think the tournament chances hinge on what O'Shea Brissett can bring. Well, I think he is the third guy. Because when you look at this team scoring-wise, there's not a lot there. It's Tyus, it's Frank, and then to me it's O'Shea. Because past that you've got Chukwu, Moyer, Dolajai, Sidibe, Thorpe. Those guys aren't going to light it up. But we got to talk about these freshmen too. Brissett, Dolajai, Sidibe. They're getting good minutes. I mean, they really are. And Jim Beheim is trusting those guys, which like you said, isn't always the case. But I guess right now he's kind of forced to. 
And I'm surprised he's given this much trust to to Dolajai and Sidibe right out of the gate. I think I didn't think Sidibe would have garnered this almost role that he is the essential starter at the center position this early in the season where he, he he's the guy who all the fans think, all right, he should be the one in there to start the game. His name should be the one that's announced. And the best lineup Jim Beheim has, I, I haven't looked at the plus minuses or whatever, but when you watch the games, the best lineup that Jim Beheim throws out there is Frank Howard, Tyus Bad out the guard spots. Then you got Brissett and Dolajai at the three and the four, and then Sidibe at the five. Yeah, that's it, pretty It's not obvious. even close because... And I know that we're going to get into this in a little bit, but you want to defend Matthew Moyer a little. And then Pascal Chukwu, he's he's shown flashes that he can be a good player on this team, but I think his role needs to be coming off the bench. The consistency is not going to be there from him. And you want it to be, and he's gotten a lot better this year. Because he had the great game against games what, last year, but this or year, Iona. Right. He, he had last a great week. game, but and he almost had a triple-double with blocks. And... If Chuku's not altering shots, there's really not a lot he's bringing to you because, I mean, you look at last night, he had one rebound. Right, and that's not good enough. From a 7-2 guy, you've got to get more than one rebound. 7-2 guy, he's not winning jump balls, and he's... You need him to be out there blocking shots and, and getting rebounds. Only and two block shots last night. You want to see more, but I will say, coming into the game last night, he was 14th in the country. Actually, I think that's after the game. I'm not exactly sure. Right around that three blocks a game margin. And Syracuse, a top-five team in the country and blocking shots, in large part thanks to him, so I don't think mm-hmm. that can go without notice. Yeah, and, and you can give him a similar amount of minutes off the bench, honestly, because... The way that Sidibe has been getting in foul trouble, of course you want to try to alleviate that a little bit, but I think that you can get away with starting Sidibe, having him set the tone, and then out of nowhere, you have a seven foot two guy coming off the bench and altering shots. He's probably a little better than Sidibe has been so far this season. Well, the defense has been really good in general, and that's something I want to touch on. Sure, they haven't played big teams. Maryland was the first Power 5 team that they played That's going to get tested on Saturday against Kansas, Tuesday against UConn. Those are different games and different venues where your defense is really going to be tested. But thus far, Syracuse's defense is elite. And I know it's tough to say not having played many good teams, but you got to like what you've seen so far, and that's going to have to hold an ACC play if this team wants to compete with the big-time opponents. I want to hit on one quick Maryland note before we move on to a little more Syracuse. Kevin Herter was unbelievable last night 23 points seven of nine from three this is a guy he's from the Syracuse area and was on the Orange's radar a couple years ago the sanctions touchdown Jim Beheim kind of alluded to it in the post game a little bit of a jab at the NCAA <laughs> and surprise yep and, and Herder goes off in front of I think I saw something like he had 400 friends and family in the crowd and I remember going out after the game and seeing just a mob of people in, in almost a line who were getting ready to talk to Herder after the game. But can you imagine what a guy like Kevin Herter would bring to this team right wow. now that so desperately needs three-point shooting? Anybody I wants mean, a guy like him, but especially Syracuse that went 3-for-18 from beyond the arc last night. Howard's gotten better, but he's not great. Battle is probably your best three-point shooter, but he's much better in kind of the mid-range game and getting to the basket as a slasher because that was his M.O. coming out of high school. And then Brissett, 
he's the guy who's probably he's, he's going to get better, but it's not there quite yet. And then Dolajai is not the guy you thought he was going to be shooting the basketball. Geno Thorpe, he when at times has shown he can shoot the ball, but he's not really getting the same opportunity. There's no three-point shooter on this team. No, there's and, not. And I don't think I would have ever thought Frank Howard would be attempting seven three-pointers in a game no. from the time that I've <laughs> seen him here. I think that says a lot about the role that he's grown into. But let's talk about Tyus Battle, too, before we move from that game. Mm-hmm. With the sore lower back, Coach Beheim said... about 50%, right, both of them that, that's, not, you know, that's not what you want in terms of a guy that's playing in a game and, and playing big-time minutes, 37 minutes, 7 for 14 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, you can live with that. But he hit the biggest three of the game later on to kind of give Syracuse the edge that they wouldn't give up against Maryland. So that's what you got to look for. Tyus Battle, that dude's a gamer. And I think that's something that everyone thought before this year. But this season, he's not only proved he can carry the load, but he can do it when he's, quote, 50%. Yeah, I mean, he's been Mr. Clutch for this team. You look back last year, the Clemson shot, he always seems to get a big bucket, whether it's in late situations like last night or or like Clemson last year, or even if it's just to stop a run. Because the Tyus Battle, what he does with the basketball is special. He, he can The thing that I've always been impressed with is how he squares up to the basket on a jump shot. I think that has been, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that young guys should look at for an example of how to come off a screen or how to come off a turn and catch and shoot and square up to the basket. That is Tyus Battle. And his ability to do that and even with the bad back, it seemed like it did bother him at the beginning of the game. There was... One moment he got, he ended up getting called for an offensive foul. This was one of the very first couple possessions of the game, and he pushes off with that elbow. And the call was probably right, even though there were a lot of very questionable calls last night. Some makeup calls mixed in there as well, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and he was tentative to shoot the ball when he created the space. He he pump faked, and the whistle wasn't super late, but he pump faked and then decided not to shoot and then the whistle blew mm-hmm. like he did not want to take that shot which is a shot that he takes 10 times out of 10 right uh usually understandably in, in a, a little like timid that. but i think he worked into it very well and that's what you've got to be excited about is if he can perform like that because you've got to have that if you're syracuse every good team as we start thinking about later in the season and even possibly the ncaa tournament if you're gonna have success in the spring you've got to have that guy and I think we can all agree that Tyus Battle is that guy. I'll say this, though. Yes, Syracuse doesn't win that game last night without Tyus Battle, but the back is something you don't want to mess with. I mean, that that's an injury that, no that'll flare up. That, that Anybody knows kicks that. Kicks into father time, too. That is not something you want to touch. And right. That's what scares me a little bit. Maybe you think about limiting his minutes uh, against some of the, the the smaller teams that are coming up, like a Colgate, like a St. Or I guess St. Bonaventure's been pretty good this year, but a Buffalo, something like that. Those that that's when you tone down Tyus Battle, get him ready for ACC play, because you don't want to you don't want to no. mess with a bad. I mean back. a back, that's one of the worst injuries out there. That's something you worry about when you're later in life, fifty years old, I'll laying be in like bed. My dad. I mean, always you know, complaining about the back. Um, it's common. That's the reason. Yeah. Let's hit on Moyer now, because I know you've got some strong thoughts about this, so I'll just let you take it from there. Yeah, I think, Tyler, my concern with Moyer, he played nine minutes in the game. 
start of the game. Now, that remains to be seen if that's going to change on Saturday. And you'd think it would, as we were talking about. Probably doesn't fit into that best starting five right now. Mm -hmm. But what I do think is, this is something that's always bothered me about Jim Beheim's coaching style. When someone starts making mistakes, and granted, Moyer has not been his best to start the year. He's been timid, searching for a shot. And when you're out there not comfortable, that totally changes your game. But what Beheim does is he's got that short leash. Nine minutes, those were three short stints for Moyer. How do you expect a guy to come in and do well three minutes into the game? Three minutes here, three minutes there. And he played good last week. I think it was in that Toledo game where he finally broke out. But at some point, he was coming out of the game, and then he hit an and one, and that's what kind of broke him off for that game. And the guy at the scorer's table was going to get Moyer. Instead, Beheim said, ah, keep him in, blah, blah, blah. And I just don't like how Beheim kind of goes after those guys. We saw it with Frank Howard. Um, many of guys before, Tyler, Tyler Roberson, Roberson last yeah, year obviously comes to mind. And I just don't think that's how you coach. And I'm not here to question Jim Beheim because he's been a fantastic coach. We all know what he's done for this program. And Syracuse fans should be grateful for that. But when you've got a guy like Moyer, all that potential, I just think you got to handle that a little bit better just than consistently putting him down. I mean, what do you do if you're a guy like him? I agree and disagree. And here's why. I think that, I mean, Moyer just hasn't proven it on the floor aside from that Toledo game. I I think that what has what Matthew Moyer has to sh- show, and I think that he's going to start for almost the entire season, if not the entire season. Interesting. Because what he is going to do, what Beheim is, what Moyer's purpose in starting is, is that he can kind of set that spark, set the tone, because that's kind of what he is. He's an energy guy. He's going to get up and down the floor. He's going to make some some hustle plays for well, you. Well, last night that, he didn't do much of scrapper. anything. But, but that's the thing. If he's not setting that tone out of the gate, then then he's getting yanked for Dolajai. But you're not even going to give him a chance. I mean, I think I totally In three minutes, agree with if you. you're an energy guy, you have to show that in the first three minutes. And, and he hasn't shown it. And I think you, you look at that second half and you kind of saw it coming. When he realizes, okay, I need to do what I did in Toledo. And what did I do against Toledo? I scored the ball and I attacked. But sometimes they're just ill-advised attacks. And what he does, I remember it, he gets the ball at the top of the key and just forces the issue all the way to the basket. And I think it ended in a turnover and maybe his shot got blocked. Either way, it was ugly. And it was it was a quick yank and a deserved yank because he's trying to do too much. And he in, in a game that came, that was decided by one possession, he's thrown one away. And I just think because he wants to get his. I'm not going to disagree with you in a lot of those cases. I think Moyer could have been better by this point. I think that he struggled at times. But I just think if you're Jim Beheim, think about last year. He let Frank Howard play early and often in the season. And in fact, you could argue that that's the reason Syracuse didn't make the tournament because Frank Howard was losing games for them early on. He was in the doghouse, still getting the opportunities. Now Moyer appears to be in the doghouse, but I get what you're saying about three minutes, but you got to give a guy a little bit more rope if you want to see stuff from him. You can't give him three-minute increments to show what well, he's I got. Think, I think also what it came down to was Dolajai came in and was just playing very well. I think that if is struggling, then yeah, Beheim's going to go back to Moyer, and, and he'll probably crack more towards that 20 or, or 15 to 20 range. But I think that when you sub in Dolajai and he's playing well, why, why aren't you stick? Like you have to stick with him if he's putting up the the numbers he was giving you. And I, I don't know what it is, but Dolajai 
his length has been so much more impressive than I thought it was going to be. He's tipping balls. He's keeping offensive possessions alive. Everything has been for him. And how do you get rid of a guy like that who's bringing that type of energy and hustle off the bench for you? You just don't sit that back down. No, you don't. And he's also giving you some scoring, too. He's giving you everything. And if you're Matt Moyer, Dolezal, that's someone you got to worry about because he brings pretty much everything to the table that you can if you're not scoring the basketball. With more length. And and this is what kind of doesn't scare me because I think last night actually kind of proved a lot. I thought Dolezal, this was a game where we might see him kind of get exposed a little bit for not being big enough because Moyer's got that build. He's got the bulk on him that Dolezal just simply doesn't have. And I think that... If if Moyer plays like Dolajai does, very similarly in terms of hustle, in terms of just making smart plays, then he's going to be a more valuable player come ACC time just because he, he's built more like an ACC type of player. He's built ready for college basketball, whereas Dolajai is kind of, he's the lanky. He, he doesn't have a lot of muscle on him. He, he's... I think they list him at like 180 pounds, but that's just not yeah, right. Yeah, not much. And I, I just want to. I think that Moyer can be the more valuable player. He just hasn't shown it yet, and he he had a big game last night to show it. And who showed up? It was Dolajai, not Moyer. No, you're right. I think Moyer needs to be given more time. We'll see how that plays out. But something I'm noticing right now is I'm looking at this box score from the Maryland game. This team has done a nice job of picking up the slack for one another. Yep. Tyus Battle, not there. Frank Howard has been. Chukwu's had a bad game. Sidibe stepped in. Moyer hasn't been there for much of the year. Dolajai has. And then Gino Thorpe and O'Shea Brissett, you know, Brissett's kind of, kind of consistent, and, and Thorpe's been not great to start the season. But it's kind of funny how that works, Tyler. you got pairs, and, and when one of them's been down, one's been better, and that's the reason Syracuse is undefeated. It seems like there's a camaraderie to this team that I didn't expect this early with so many new guys. I mean, you got a, a freshman class of four, throw in, um, throw, throw in Gino Thorpe, so that makes it five new guys right there, and then a lot of just unknowns. Chuku hasn't played a lot of basketball so far throughout his college career, despite being a redshirt junior. And then Battle was just a, a freshman last year, Moyer redshirted, and they just seem in sync, especially on defense, because they're starting a lot of transition opportunities. And how about Frank Howard last night? Seven steals at that top of the zone. He had, I think it was five in the first half, which was a career high. But I, I just, Frank Howard's grown up. I mean, all these guys have matured a lot faster than I thought they would. Well, you talk about the camaraderie, and that's the key. Coming into this season, I was pretty optimistic about Syracuse because I thought, okay, these guys, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They've got to come together. After what happened last year, there's nothing to be proud about, whereas last year, of course, all the hype was about the Final Four. This year's team is loaded. And last year's team never really got off to a good start offensively. Seemed like a lot of confusion. Guys didn't really know their roles that well, or even if they did, they weren't you know, putting out wins, and, and the roles weren't good enough. And this team is, they know who their guy is. It's Tyus Battle. Frank Howard's your point guard. Everything seems to be kind of much more in order, which is allowing them to be more organized, and they're just feeding off one another. And, and I think that's a good you know, success for any team. That's what any team wants, and that's what you got to have, and so far they've had it. I want to pose a question here, I, and I think I saw this on Twitter last night from 
Mike Waters. So hat tip to, to Mikey Waters. A dozen scouts in attendance last night. A dozen NBA scouts. Is O'Shea Brissett a one and done? First of all, I'll stall really quick while I think about that. But Tyus Battle's gone. Okay, so right yeah. now I think we've mm-hmm. we've proved that in these first six games yeah, that he, Tyus Battle gone. There is no way lottery potential that he's on this roster next mm-hmm. year. Now Brissett, it's too early to say, but you've got to like what you've seen so far. He's hitting a stride right now, back yes. to back double doubles, and that's why the scouts are there getting on him early. Yes, the, the, a lot of them were there also to see Justin Jackson and, and uh, Fernando, the big guy on on Maryland. Last night, because because right. he was good, he had some. But he, some nice he's dunks someone too. that's on their radar. I mean, if they're going to be there checking if other Br- guys out, you can look at him. If they're too. not looking at Brissett for this year; they're looking at him for next year. Right. I, I don't think, think he's a one and done. Let me say that I don't think he's going to be a one and done guy. But I think he does have NBA potential. I, I I don't think I think it'd be a poor decision if he came out after this season. I you really do. do. I don't think that because he's got the build of. A, of what the NBA wants these days, they want the these long guys who will play defense for you and and shoot the three ball. And the three ball hasn't necessarily worked so far, but the, he's shown that he can knock down that shot. I don't know. I think there's a real chance that we could see O'Shea leave. I don't know. It's I, early. It's there so early. There is a chance. I'll tell you that. But the reason I say if he be... steps up in ACC play, and who knows, maybe Syracuse sneaks into the tournament too. And and maybe he puts together a couple Malachi Richardson like games in the tournament. I mean, Malachi Richardson was coming back if Syracuse missed the tournament, right? And I, that's the thing I think about. How about this? How about this? Does he enter his name into the draft? Because you know how you can enter your name right. and then you can pull out. I mean, I think does he enter his if name? he's got any inklings of leaving? I think you would have to. So I don't really. I I think that's almost like. A formality for guys who think they have NBA potential, but if he leaves, think about guys that have left Syracuse. Malachi Richardson, I mean, he's making money, but he's not making a big impact in the NBA. And I think so many people leave to make the money, which is great. They need to support their families. They have an opportunity while their stock is there. But I think Brissett, if he's good this year, come back next year. Be the face of this team. Well, obviously we got some some pretty big names coming in next season. But Brissett, accompany them, take this team to a new level, and then you're going to look even better and make even more money when you're picked higher in the draft. So it's all an odds game, and we see it happen every spring. Guys trying to decide, but you know it's worth a conversation at this point. I think an interesting thing, and, and this might be so nitpicky and small, but what if? Toronto <laughs> is sitting in like that twenty really, to twenty five range. You're really buying draft. this narrative from Mike Waters. You're really no, liking no, no, no. This. this isn't no, no, no. This isn't a Mike Waters thing. Mike Waters only tweeted that there are twelve scouts, and I, I believe the number was twelve. I'd have to double check. So that, he didn't connect the dots. He didn't connect. He just said twelve scouts in attendance tonight, okay. and I think um, somebody replied like a lot of NBA potential guys. Um, and they're like, oh, they're here for Tyus, they're here for Justin Jackson. And then he came back and said, I want I don't want to put words in his mouth, but some somewhere along the lines, things were said. Also look out for Fernando and look out for Brissett, because you sh- if you're not here to watch those guys, you're not doing your job. I think, and, and this might be a stretch, but I think that if Brissett's, and, and maybe he has some conversations with some Toronto reps at some point <laughs> during the whole draft process, 
if he's getting inklings that he could go home to Canada, doesn't that kind of bring some intrigue? I would have to. But here's the thing. The fact that we're even talking about this. It's early. It's so early. It's a good sign the, for Beheim's bunch, though. It is early. The ACC play is going now. to decide it's this. It's been a great start to and, the season. The fact that he played well against Maryland's a good sign. We'll, we'll see what he brings against Kansas on Saturday. That's going to change some things, too, because who knows? Maybe he has a clunker of a game against uh, against the Jayhawks, and, and then we're like, oh, O'Shea Brissett, one and done. What are you talking about? But I think it's interesting. It, <laughs> it's definitely a conversation that we we need to monitor it at least over these next couple of weeks because it could happen. That O'Shea Brissett, what are you talking about? That reminds me a lot about Syracuse football, which we'll get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's do that now. All right. Let's do it. All right. I just had a feeling. You know, that, you, you, were, yeah. you were sending those signals, and that made me think of the whole, oh, Dino Baber's big-time coaching job. Big. Uh, not so much. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it, it's a, to put a bow on Maryland – Big win for Syracuse. Impressive win against a good Terrapins team. Good uh, team. Like, this is a team that goes to the tournament. They're well coached, and yep. they're probably going to go to the tournament again now this we'll year. Now we'll see so, where they go from here. Syracuse, Kansas and UConn. Syracuse has beat, what, three, at least three teams that are going to be in the tournament this year so far? Yeah. Now they've all been at home, and of course we know about Syracuse not winning away from home, and that's something I want to see early on. I want to see them beat either Kansas or UConn. You can't Might just not say happen you have on to Saturday. beat Kansas, though. I know, but UConn on Tuesday is really the game that I'm looking at. Okay, Madison Square Garden, a place that was not friendly last season for Syracuse. Can they change that around yeah. this year? I think Georgetown and UConn are the games you have to watch at this point. Right. Because Kansas is unrealistic to expect a win. Can't expect one, but we'll see what they throw out. It's going I want to be a see fun how they game. play. I want them to play close. It's going to be it fun. within double digits. And not like some BS, you get a couple free throws at the end or, or, or a, a loopy three. I want to see a. Just no a, South actual, Carolina games an like actual we saw last single year digit loss in Brooklyn. At worst. And, and then I'll, I'll start buying all in on this team. Um, all right, let's do football. I don't even know where to start. Well, Tyler, <laughs> I, I know where to start. Where do you want to start? And that's just disappointment. Here are my big takeaways. Dino Babers, I like what he's doing, but he's not shown the wins. Four and eight. What do you? Four okay, okay, okay. You say he hasn't shown the wins. He's been a ranked team each of the past Tyler, two years. He is over uh, after the bye in two seasons. I know. Two road wins against UConn and Boston College. The guy has not shown the ability. This is what I look for in a team. It starts out, and then as the year goes on, you should get better. And I know that Dungy's gotten hurt, and I know that's a huge variable here. But at this point, you've got to expect that. It's almost like they knew it was coming. You cannot finish after the Clemson game and not win a single game. Here's what I'm going to say. All right? Look at this road schedule. I came into the season saying they're not going to win a road game because the schedule was just too damn tough. At LSU, you're not winning that game. And the fact that they held it close and looked like they could win is enough for me to think there's progress. NC State's a good team, probably better than LSU was, at least at the time. And you could say you start that. rough. It's really the second okay. half. The second okay, half but, but, is terrible. But look at them. It, what do you mean it's terrible? At expectations Miami, change. At Miami, once you beat yes, Clemson, I know they expectations change. Expectations change, but at Miami, all right, you're, that's a tough game, and, and you're playing it in some some pretty crappy con- conditions too, and you lose by eight. You have a chance at the end to win. All right, Florida State. Yes, it was a down year for them. They're still a good football team. Yeah, you that's the, if you add up the stars, it's not even close. I mean, Dino Babers said it like 
These guys are bigger, faster, stronger than our guys. They're just better athletes. And sometimes you just, I mean, the better athletes, the better football players are going to win. And, and you, you know what? You can defend the road schedule all you want because I kind of agree it's tough. Like, then, I'm not just, really going to close out my point at Louisville, and you'd already lost three tough games. <laughs> you weren't going to win. Yeah, you can defend the road anybody, schedule. What you can yeah. defend, Wake Forest and Boston College. Yeah. Two awful games. Well, I think they win that Wake game with Dungy because I think well, the Dungy defense puts let up 64 right, 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 points. Right. But Mahoney has the picks. And I, listen, I don't think Dungy would have put up the same half that Mahoney did in the first, what was it, 38 points or something crazy like that? I think it was 38 because the defense, or because the team only scored five in the second half. So 38 points. I don't think Dungy replicates that, but I think he gives you two 28-point halves. You can make excuses all day long. And, like, I can buy some of these excuses that you're giving. Mm -hmm. But at what point for a guy, like next year, there are no excuses. I don't care what the schedule is. Next year, they've lost a lot of guys, and they're not going to have big-time players like Paris Bennett, Zaire Franklin. The defense is going to suffer big time next year. But... If Dino Babers is coming out in this post-game presser from the Boston College game and saying yeah. 2018 is special, <laughs> I don't. You've got to deliver. Now like, you got to. Yeah, you really do. And you hear about year three in the NFL all the time, and year three, I think, might be a little early to start judging in college football, just because you're not getting like you have the one draft class that, or not draft class, the recruiting class that's kind of. Eh, they're like your your stepchildren where the other guy recruited them, but you're going to take along a couple of them. Now you got your first one with DeVito, and they're not going to be afraid to redshirt him. Or Well, he, he's been redshirted, so they're not going to be afraid to play him. And now you move further along, and now all these freshmen are developing. There were some good freshmen and, and some guys with potential. Yes, you're going to have to replace Irv Phillips and, and Steve Ishmael, but you could do that with some of these speedsters, and you got talent at the freshman posi- at the freshman level for 2018. Like you, you and I have talked about this. The offensive line next year is going to be a strength. I hope you're so. going to bring in some four star guys. Paper, it looks, On paper, it looks, it looks good. good. You've got some big guys. I mean, Kadir White's a big boy. Tyron yeah, Sampson's a big guys. boy. Not going to lie. And then the metrics love Cody Conway. Have you have you been looking at this the metrics like focus? a lot of the offensive the, line for the metrics? I don't know why. Really like Cody Conway, so that that's obviously promising. But you're gonna have to replace the receiver position, and may, this is where we kind of see: is this a system, or is it talent on the outside? Okay, let's talk about this real quick while we're on this topic. I think this needs to be addressed right now. At this point. Offseason's beginning. At quarterback, Eric Dungy's your guy next year. Right. Because he, he showed that he was a top two quarterback in the ACC. When healthy. What bothers me is that at this point, you almost have to assume that he's not going to be able to finish the year. Right. It wasn't the head this year. It was his feet, his ankle, whatever it mm-hmm. was. I don't, the fact is he's not on the field. Right. So if you've got your guy, Tommy DeVito, What's your plan of action with him? Because I think you've got to tell DeVito. You groom him as the backup. I think Rex Rex Culpepper has played his last football game at Syracuse. 
He is. Like, I don't think care about, about, about it. <laughs> think about it. Rex Culpepper is never going to play another game at Syracuse. Hopefully so. He doesn't deserve to. They, if they've got Devito, this is what. And I hope this is the narrative. And I hope Dungey's almost. And he's got to know this as a senior. They've got to tell Devito, listen, kid, you're so close to being like Dungey could go down yeah. at any minute. You've got to be ready. So we're talking like if Dungey goes down against Florida State or even earlier than that, say this was this season and we're talking about next year being this year, you got to put DeVito in the game and he's got to be ready to go. And at that point, he's your guy. Like unless he comes in and just totally lays an egg, I don't care. Like bye-bye Dungey. At some point, what I'm saying is there has to be a plan in place to give the keys to the car to Tommy DeVito. And I would not be afraid to do it. Any signs of Dungey being hurt or blah, 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 give it to Tommy DeVito and see what he's got. If he's bad, then you put Dungey back in and reassess. But I want to see DeVito sooner rather than later. I think we'll see him. I don't. I think they've started to map out the schedule. What is it? It's Western Michigan to start the season, but I know they play Wagner next year. I don't remember if it's the opener or not or if that's even been decided yet. But we're going to see DeVito in those first two games. Because Syracuse is going to have enough points against Wagner at some point in the game where you're going to throw in the backups. And that's where we'll see how special the kid is. Yes, it's coming against a a lower-level team, but we're going to see something. And I think that's where we kind of assess how long Dino Babers is going to stick around. Yeah, I agree. I'm not even on the the Tommy DeVito hype train all the way. I just want to see... A consistent quarterback. Hopefully, this isn't a conversation. Hopefully, Dungey as healthy as yeah. can be, and he finishes the year. Syracuse goes to a bowl game. Rah rah rah. But when the time comes, and I don't think they'll be afraid to. But you got this big time recruit. Now let's use him. All right. Let's let's go back now to the to the 2017 season as a whole. You say failure. Yes, and here's why. Really quickly, before the year, everyone was picking five wins. Some were saying I think four, four to five. Some were, I would say it's more upwards towards five. Now I did pick four if I want to pat myself on the back. Congrats! But say this, Clemson. If you lose that game, that's three. That's three, and then it's a total failure, like a yeah. total mm-hmm. failure because everyone given yeah. this schedule, no, it, it, that's crazy. Five. Yeah, people are thinking. Five, yeah, you lose Clemson. That's three, and and you're right, total bust because those last three games you were expecting to go two and one. At the beginning of the season. Right, so what does that win do for you? A little flash of greatness, keeps people happy, makes the recruits happy, which it does. So yeah. I can't, you know, that, that's a big win for Babers in Syracuse. But that's also one loss away from this being a total nightmare. So I don't think you can say it's a success. It's just, it's not doomsday like it could be. It, give a grade. What's your grade? Uh, C minus. C minus. Yep, right off the cuff, C minus. I'm going to go C plus. Okay, that's fair. Because I, I, I think wanted the to Clemson, go D, but I just couldn't. The Clemson win is enough to kind of, not, not saying Dino Baber's job was in jeopardy, but if it were, the Clemson win was enough to keep it for another year. That's what's so crazy about this season. We talk, at some point in this season, I was talking about if Dino Babers was the guy to do this. And I think I, I think never, he is. I I never still thought think he is. that he wasn't, but it was just floating in my mind. And then at some point in the year, people were thinking, oh, is Babers going to get a job at an SEC, a big-time program? So it's just yeah, those really are starting confusing. To now. It, it's, it's, so I'm not worried. I, I, oh, I wouldn't yeah. be worried at yeah, all. Yeah, he's, he's staying. He's good. Yeah. But it's just 
talk about a roller coaster season in terms of expectations, and that's what makes it confusing. But yeah, if this was an emotional say, season. It really was. I mean, Central Connecticut State, you throw up half a century out of the gate, and you're thinking, okay, this could be a good team. This could be a bowl team. And then Middle Tennessee State, you lose all Ugh. of that. And then you bounce some. back, though, with Central <laughs> Michigan, and I think that was the best performance Dino, ba- Dino Babers team had produced at Syracuse. Yep, very Better solid, than the Virginia Tech all game. around good performance. I think that was the best one. Then you go to LSU, cut it close in a game that you thought you were going to lose by 30, 40 points. And have a chance to win at multiple times throughout the game. Yeah, that looked good. That looks good. NC State, you look really bad in the first half, but you bounce back. Yeah, that game, not so game. great. But Pitt, then you come home and respond. Pitt, it was it yeah. was an ugly win. It wasn't. I mean, wasn't very the good final football. score is a three-point game, but Syracuse won that game by more points than three. Yeah, it was, it was a weird game. Nothing you're going to write home about in terms of how you were impressed, but then you play a week later and yeah, boy, and then different Clemson's story. a di- yeah that that puts your program on the map. Everyone's excited. Everyone's saying you're and going then you bowling. lose out. Oh, and then gosh, L L L L to close out the season and but even with the Miami game, it still felt like Syracuse was going to go to a bowl after losing to Miami. It did, and that's what and it felt like people. It felt like they were going to beat Florida State too, on the road. I don't know. I kind of thought Florida State was going to bounce. Like I thought that was a bit of a tough spot for Syracuse to play Florida State after they got hammered by Boston College. I just kind of felt like that was the wake-up call they needed. Um, but just to finish the year on a five-game losing streak. Yeah. Last year you finished That's on a four-game losing streak. Just show me something in the second half. that You just can't be that bad after the bye. I just, and I know it's Dungy, but at some point you've got to just look at that as part of it man I, I i don't know what to say all right any last football thoughts you know what it was a fun season for how up and down it was it gave us a lot to talk about usually we're done talking about su football in like mid-october five. yeah and that wasn't the case this year they gave us a lot to talk about expectations got high enough to where we were very disappointed towards the end of the year they were a talking point there were bright spots Huge win over Clemson that kind of puts you on the map a little bit. Top 10 win in program history. Top so you two. could go higher than that. Top yeah, two. I was being very conservative because <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to spark that debate. Yeah, But I think, you know what, C minus C, but it was fun. And let's just say I'm excited for basketball. But you know what, Dino Babers, I'm, I'm looking forward to what you can do next season. Real quick, don't give me an explanation, just yes or no and a record. What, are the, what happens next year? Bowl or no? I think they make a bowl game. I'll go six wins next year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Six and six, and then who knows? I mean, the bowl is just a wild card, right. whatever happens. So the happens. fact we're saying that, though, that yeah. tells you something. I mean, that says, like, I, I gave them a C minus on the year, but I think that's And if that it doesn't happen next year, though, that's when you approach hot seat territory. No, four years, four, four wins next year, no wins after the bye, no road wins. That narrative repeats itself next Mm -hmm. season. You can't, especially after you set the bar so high in that final press conference. All right, that's going to wrap it up for for us here on the FizzCast. Again, be sure to follow us. Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, at OrangeFizz. And then you can find us on iTunes, on the Podcast Center. You can get all the latest Orange Fizz radio episodes as well as FizzCast like this, interviews, and more by searching us Orange Fizz. And then, as always, check out our wonderful web content on orangefizz.net. For Jonathan Hoppy, I'm Tyler Rocky. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.